Amen. Hallelujah. I got that FM voice going on today. Hey, how are you doing out there? <laughs> they'll, they'll fix that. We'll be good. <laughs> well, this is our start of our summer series, our summer of hope. And uh, how many of you know hope is a very important thing? Amen? And uh, I'm going to tell you, in our world today, uh, hope has become a critical commodity. And uh, hope really is, you know, being able to see forward and to have a, a confident expectation for good. And, uh, you know, I think that we have hope in many things. And I think what's been shaken, and we need to understand this, what's been shaken in our world is a lot of hope that has been placed in our world. And placing our hope in the world, sometimes the Bible, you know, the Bible warns us and says, anything that can be shaken is being shaken, but the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. And so when we place our hope within the kingdom of God, uh, you know, we need, we need to understand that, that that really is coming to not only a confident expectation for good, but a confident expectation that brings peace or wholeness. And I want you to understand something. Biblical hope is a little bit different than worldly hope. Worldly hope, you can, have, you can hope for something. You can get a vision of something in your mind, and you can be like, I am believing for this. I see it clearly. I want this thing. I know I'm going to get it. And, you know, I, I have an example of that when I was a kid. I, I just remember this as I was preparing. I, I, I loved playing with uh, army soldiers when I was a little kid. And so I had destroyed most of them because I was a, kind of a violent army soldier player. Like there would be, you know, like put them inside toys and light them on fire and pour them down a hill. Like stuff like that. I, I, I know it sounds a bit crazy, but I was that kid, you know, that kind of like I had a lot of fun. So I had this hope. I had hope for new army soldiers. And I even like printed pictures and, and, and showed them to my family, this is all I want for Christmas. And so I had sown the seed. Are you following what I'm saying? I had a vision of new army soldiers. And, uh, and then I looked under the tree, and there was this box that looked just like the box that I knew contained the army soldiers. And I was like, hope is the most beautiful thing in the world. I see it. I believe for it. I've sown the seeds for it. I'm going to get it. And I opened it, and it was skis. It was these little skis that you strap onto your boots. I'm like, I cannot put those in my Tonka toys and light them on fire and push them down a hill. Like, what, what is this? And my hope was shattered. Are you following what I'm saying? I had done everything right. Like I, I had sown the seed. I had painted the picture. I had believed. I had spoken it forward. But my hope did not come to pass. And that's hope in the world. You know, you may get the red wagon. You may get the new army soldiers. Or you may not. Are you following what I'm saying? But hope in the kingdom of God is different in that when you find that thing to hope for within the kingdom of God... It will happen. It will happen. It's just a matter of when it will happen. And that's what we're going to look at today, the difference between these two places of hope. Jesus starts the very first thing that he ever preaches, the very first thing that he ever declares, kind of shapes and sets forward 
the intention of what, everything that's going to follow in his ministry and his message. It frames the entirety of his ministry that is about to follow. Here it is, the very first message Jesus spoke, Mark 1.15. His message was this. At last the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in all its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in a hope-filled gospel. This is Jesus' message to the world. A hope-filled gospel. The good, merry, joyful news that the kingdom of God has been opened to mankind. And he's so excited, he's like, finally, the moment is at hand. Finally is the time now that the kingdom has come. The kingdom is upon you. The kingdom is unveiled. The kingdom of God is unfolding. Well, let's pray and understand what that means and how we can put our hope in that kingdom and what that fully means in your life and in my life and how we can receive those things that we hope for in Christ. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, come now and help me to preach. Help me to preach with your authority, God. I don't want to teach as one who teaches the law. I want to preach as one who preaches with the power of the kingdom of God. And so, Holy Spirit, come and give us those incredible eyes that see you, ears that hear you, hearts that receive and respond to you, Lord, and give us understanding of how the kingdom of God is unveiled in our time and is still being unveiled in our present. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the kingdom of God, we know this because I talk about it a lot, the kingdom of God is simply the place where God rules. It's the place where God rules by his presence. And so wherever God is, his presence is there, and where he's, he's allowed to have authority, he brings his kingdom into that moment. Are you following what I'm saying? And so when you align your life with God in his kingdom, his presence is with you, and the blessings of that kingdom are upon your life, and we need to understand that. See, the kingdom of God is really the summary of Jesus' entire message, you guys. It's what he taught, it's what he stood for, it's what he demonstrated. The central revelation of the New Testament, what Jesus revealed more than anything else was the Father heart of God. But the central proclamation, the central demonstration, the central thing that he demonstrated to this world was the kingdom of God. He taught about the kingdom more than anything else. All of his parables seem to tie into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. All the time, everything Jesus was doing, demonstrating, speaking about was to tell us about the kingdom of God. It's what the Jewish people were waiting for. We need to understand that. You know, they all their lives were waiting for the day that Jesus is proclaiming is actually upon them. They were waiting for the coming of the kingdom of God. And if you understand this, the entire Old Testament paints a picture of what life will be like when the kingdom of God comes. And so for Jewish listeners, for Jesus to say what he is saying, 
It's like, wow, wow, wow. The day has come. The realm of God's kingdom is upon you. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And they had an understanding of what that meant. And I want you to understand that because it connects to you even today. What hope did the kingdom come bring? Here's the first thing. It was really the reality of God coming to dwell with his people. That was number one. They knew that. This is why Jeremiah 31 in the Old Testament says this, verse 34, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. See, the coming of the kingdom of God they knew was connected directly with the king, so that when God would come and dwell amongst his people, they, they knew that he would bring his kingdom and that he would dwell with them. And so this is the first promise. This is the first thing, the first hope that is unveiled when the kingdom comes is that Jesus Christ is walking with his people. You see, this is why in Mark chapter 1, it talks about the good news of the coming of Jesus Christ in verse 1. And then in verse 14, it talks about the good news of the coming of the kingdom. You guys, the king and the kingdom are totally connected. That you cannot have one without the other. And, and so everything that we connect to, everything that we understand, why is Jesus different than any other religion in the world? Why is Christianity different? It's not that our rules are different, our regulations are different. It's that we have a different source of power and life. We are connected to Jesus Christ. Everything, everything, everything flows from that connection. This is the promise of the kingdom come. But it also came with the promise of salvation and deliverance. And so you need to understand these things. If you were a Jewish listener and Jesus is saying the kingdom's here, here's the first thing, or first deliverance they would understand. It was the hope of deliverance from sin and condemnation. Did you catch that at the end of our last verse? Not only would they dwell with God, but that the sins would be forgiven. Listen to Psalm 32. What blessing belongs to the one whose rebellion has been forgiven, whose sins have been covered by blood? What bliss belongs to those who have to confess their corruption to God? He wipes their slate clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. I could go on and on and on all throughout the Old Testament, this promise of God, this promise of God, that when the kingdom comes, not only would God dwell with his people, but he would come to eradicate and to erase and break off the power of sin in their lives. And, and you know, Psalm 103, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and, and heals all of your diseases. All throughout the story, the Jews got this. They knew that when the kingdom come, finally sin would be dealt with. Now imagine you're a people that you're reminded of your sin continually. Every year you got to go and make sacrifices for sin. Every year you got to do sacrifices. But what the kingdom come is saying, when the kingdom comes, there will be one sacrifice for all time for all sin. Now they didn't fully understand what that meant, but they, they knew it was part of the promise of the kingdom coming. Are you following what I'm saying? So they're getting this. God's going to dwell with his people. He's going to forgive our sins. This is really good. But it's not only the forgiveness of sins. This is where it gets really cool. There's a second hope of deliverance. It was the hope of deliverance from the effects of sin and Satan. How many know it's one thing to be forgiven your sin, but then to be delivered from the effect of sin? That's a totally different thing. 
And so they understood that. They got that. The bondage to sin and Satan was a very real thing for the people of God. Now listen, when the people were delivered from Egypt, when they were delivered from their their bondage and their slavery from Egypt, they were set free. But how many of you know they still had a bondage in their heart? How many of you know they were, still, they were still enslaved by the powers of the nations around them? They were enslaved by the, the, the demonic forces that led them to idolatry. They were enslaved by the, the demons of hell and darkness. This was part of what they needed deliverance from. So Jesus speaks and he says, listen, the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom of God is here. You can have the hope God is going to dwell with his people. You can know that you're going to be set free from your sin and you're going to be set free from the power of sin. So guess what? Jesus goes to church. So remember, I told you the first message he ever preached, but this is the first sermon he ever preaches in a synagogue. This next verse is the very first thing that he, he goes into the synagogue. The Bible says the eyes of everyone were fastened upon him. He unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them the crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, and they will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined places and, will, and the, those places that have been devastated for generations. And he rolls up the scroll. And he goes and he walks. And they're all watching him. And the Bible says they're just quiet. They're watching. And he says these words. Today, In your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. For which they try to kill him. Because they knew only the Messiah could say those words. And they knew that that meant the kingdom of God had come. Bam! This is like awesome. So Jesus is saying, guys, you're in bondage. You're enslaved by things. You, you're, you're broken. You're in distress. You're captive. You're prisoners. But it's okay. I've come to set you free. The kingdom is here. You have hope. You have hope. No matter what you're facing with, no matter what you're dealing with, I want you to understand the hope of the kingdom is now. It's upon you. It's upon you. And by the way, not only am I going to deliver you, not only am I going to take those places where you're broken and hurting and mourning, I'm not even going to set you free from those things, but I'm actually going to make you now the messengers of this kingdom because you're going to be the people that are going to become the oaks of righteousness. It starts as a little seed, and you think, how can I represent the kingdom of God? But you're going to be the mighty oaks of righteousness, church. You're going to display his splendor. You're going to take the places that are long devastated and ruined. Hallelujah. And you're going to establish something with them. Guys, this church... (laughs) is a picture of the kingdom of God come. We took a devastated building. We took a building that was going to be bulldozed and destroyed. We broke it down. We moved it across a a, a field. We put it back together. And look what the Lord has done. 
This is hope. <laughs> this is hope lived out, church. You are living in the hope of the kingdom of God. Every time you walk in, I walk in this building every time I'm like, man, God, you're awesome. God, you are so awesome. Look what you've done, God. Look what you've done. Look what you've done, church. Look what you've done. So we got this deliverance from sin. We got the deliverance from the effects of sin and from Satan himself. And then the third thing that they knew, the deliverance that was coming, well, this was a good one. It was hope of deliverance from death and the fear of death. That was a biggie. <laughs> death itself will be overcome once the kingdom comes. Listen to Isaiah 25. Again, I could pick many scriptures. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. The power of death itself would be overcome by the kingdom of God coming. And you're saying, okay, well, let me summarize this quickly. Again, I could give you many scriptures. Turn to Isaiah 9. The people are covered in darkness, but there's come a great light. Let me quickly summarize the hope that the kingdom of God comes, what Jesus was saying, what every Jew understood. This is what the kingdom come means. The kingdom of God coming is the dwelling with his people. The kingdom of God coming is deliverance from sin and its effect. The kingdom of God is deliverance from Satan and the powers of darkness. The kingdom of God is deliverance from death and the fear of death. This was the hope of the Jewish nation, and it's really the hope of all the nations of the earth. This is the hope that Jesus was talking about. You say, amen, Pastor Greg, good sermon. But hang on, dude. I still struggle with sin. I still battle with devil and the temptation of the powers of temptation of this world and my flesh and self and, and all these things. So how could the kingdom become? I still go to funerals. I have buried loved ones that have believed in God. How can you say the kingdom of God has come? Because you need to understand, and this is what we all need to grow in our understanding, the kingdom of God came at the coming of Jesus. It continued to be unveiled in the church, which we'll look at in a moment. And then its final revelation is about to be upon us when Jesus returns the second time. And the fullness of everything promised, everything we've hoped for, will be fulfilled. You need to understand that or you'll never get what it means that the kingdom of God has come and we can place our hope in that kingdom. Let me talk about that already not yet element of the coming of the kingdom of God. Quickly, Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God with his coming. I'm just going to go through these kind of fast. In his ministry, we see the breaking in of the kingdom. He forgives people their sins and gives them a new relationship with God. Remember the paralyzed guy that's there and uh, everyone th you know, thinks, well, he, he's deserving of what happened to him. He must have done something wrong. And uh, you know, Jesus sees him and he looks at him and he says, take courage, take heart, have hope. My son, he calls him my son, for your sins have been forgiven. Do you remember that story? 
Everyone else is calling this guy paralyzed guy, guy who got what he deserved, but Jesus gives him a new identity and he sets him free because the kingdom of God has come. You remember the story. He gets up. He is healed. Bam, the kingdom has come. Jesus brings the kingdom to bear upon this. He sets people free from the bondage to the devil. All throughout the, the stories of the gospel, Jesus is delivering people from demonic oppression. He's delivering people from, from sickness. He's delivering people. All this deliverance. He, you know, and they were amazed. He, he even gives orders to unclean spirits and they obey him. Why? Because the kingdom of God had come. He heals many people, making them whole, including raising people from the dead. You know, Jesus was demonstrating, you guys, why did he raise people from the dead? He was demonstrating what happens when the kingdom of God comes. That power is even over death. And so this was the start of Jesus' ministry. We know he raised a 12-year-old girl from death. He said, don't worry, she's only sleeping. And everyone laughed at him. They were all wailing a moment earlier. Oh, it's so sad. He says, don't worry, she's only sleeping. You're ridiculous. Oh no, she's only sleeping because I have power over death. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will live. Whoo, come on now. Hallelujah. So Jesus ushers in the kingdom. Are you, you see what I'm saying? The picture you're seeing, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, everything that was promised in the Old Testament, Jesus begins to fulfill. Jesus begins to fulfill. And then he dies. You're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. But in his death and resurrection, what happens? Something changes in your life and in my life. The power of the kingdom of God comes upon the church. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Through his death and resurrection, he establishes the kingdom in the church. Why? Because the presence of God is now with every believer. The Holy Spirit is upon your life and upon my life. He's within me. And and that spirit is a seal, a deposit, a guarantee that the fullness of the kingdom, it's a deposit saying, guys, we're not done yet. The kingdom is still being unveiled. The kingdom is still coming. Don't worry. It's still here and it's still being unfolded. And you see the church, the power of God in the church. Church, listen to me. 12 disciples, 120 people in the upper room. Do you know that there are one-third of the population of mankind follows Jesus Christ that's the kingdom being unveiled that's power guys this is the hope that God is wanting to you to understand and get something you know the forgiveness of sin is our message we go out into the world say God is not against you God is for you God is for you in your sin God is for you in your battle against sin God will set you free just come to Jesus and he will come in you and he will begin to displace the darkness he will begin to displace the brokenness he will begin to displace all the parts of your life that are out of order of the kingdom of God and one day he's going to come back for you and though you will die in this world unless the rapture happens which I'm counting on right now is good Lord I don't need to preach the rest of this message boom go I don't even need to jump he's just going to take me he can leave the mic everything behind hallelujah (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? This is the hope we have, church. 
And at his second coming, check this out, the kingdom of God will be completely unveiled. Hallelujah. I will see God face to face. Just one glimpse of him in glory will all the toils of life repay. One moment, one instant, everything makes sense now, God. Every promise that you've given me, everything I believed for and hoped for and kept pressing in and holding on to you, I see it now, Lord. It was always you. It's always been you. You are the fullness of the kingdom. The Bible says he will wipe every tear away in sin and death and hell and the grave will be ultimately defeated. Satan himself will be judged and fully removed and destroyed. This is why many funerals I preach, this scripture comes up. 1 Corinthians 15. Death swallowed up by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law cold guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in one single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, the death are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ, thank God. Hallelujah. With all this going for us, dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time. Listen, church. I'm watching right now. The world is flailing, looking for hope. I'm watching the church, and some people are pressing into Jesus like never before, and I'm watching others that are like, whatever, this Christianity thing ain't working for me. And I'm like, oh my God, turn back, turn back to the kingdom, turn back to the kingdom, turn back to the kingdom. He's coming, he's coming soon. You know, the Bible warns us in the last days there will be a great falling away in the name of Jesus Christ, not in this church. You will put your hope into the kingdom of God and no matter what comes against you, you will stand with your eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ and you will walk in faith and say, God, the hope of the kingdom is about to come upon me. And I'm believing that, God. Throw yourself into the work of the master. How will understand that you are now the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. In a world that is hopeless right now, church, you are the messengers of hope. It's your job. <laughs> you have a relationship with God. You've been forgiven of your sins. You tell people that their sins can be forgiven. You've overcome the devil and the oppression of the enemy. Even though you still struggle, you have victory over sin, hell, death, and the grave. You say, Pastor Greg, I'm not, I don't have it all together. How can I be an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Well, I didn't pick you. God did. You see, understand you're still growing in the kingdom. You're still growing in your relationship with God, church. You may think you've arrived, but you haven't. 
I mean, there's so many stories in the Bible of people thought they had it all together. John, the one whom Jesus loved, the apostle of love, John thought, I love God, I have it all together. And, he, you know, he sees the resurrected Jesus Christ, and what does he do? He, you know, he says, oh, Jesus, how you doing? Great to see you. No, he falls at his feet as dead because he says, man, I don't even know you. Who are you? I didn't even know. I was leaning against your chest at the Last Supper. Ah, look at you. There's so much more to you, Lord God. Your relationship with God is still growing, you guys. It's still growing. Every time you turn a corner, there's something else new that you learn. What a beautiful hope that you and I have. The same thing happened to Moses, remember? After he walked with God for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years before that, 40 years in the wilderness. 80 years walking with God. And then God reveals his glory to him. And what does he say? You can read it yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 3. He says, I have just begun to know you. Wow. There's more, guys. And get this. You're still overcoming the effects of sin and this world in your life. Proverbs 4 says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter to the full light of day. I've brought up this scripture picture many times to you. It's really bad. I did it probably back in the late 90s. Do we have that picture we can put up on the screen? There it is. It's a field. And the upper left-hand side, the field is green and beautiful and growing. And the the right-hand top side, it's it's broken, but the seeds aren't really breaking through yet because there's still rocks to be removed. The lower right, it's an unbroken part of the field. And the lower left, man, that's just nasty, sewer, bad stuff. How many of you know this is a picture of your life? You think, well, come on, Pastor Greg, it's only good soil in my life. Really? Dang, you're better than me. (laughs) Good for you. Um, I I just need you to understand that this is kind of the picture of Christian. Jesus put it a different way. Let me give it to you this way. Jesus said, you know, as I talk about people, there are hard parts of their life. That's the hard soil. And as I talk to people, there are cluttered parts of their life, right? There, there, there are four types of soil. Remember that? So there's good soil. There's cluttered soil. There's shallow soil that gets all excited. Ooh, good sermon. And then goes away and forgets everything they learned because they have no root, right? And then there's hard parts of our life. How many of you know this is the craziest thought to me? Jesus bought the whole field. (laughs) He bought it all. Now, here's the problem with Christianity right now, okay, guys? We all hang out in the parts of our life that are not producing fruit, and we try to change things. We try to pick the rocks. We try to break the ground, we try to do all those things, and how many of you know that's not producing life? It doesn't produce life. There's only one way to produce the kingdom of God and the life of God. God buys the whole field, and you say, well, Pastor Greg, how do I change the hard parts of my life? How do I change the shallow parts of my life? How do I change the cluttered parts of my life? And by the way, the cluttered parts of your life are the parts where you're still half in the world and half in the kingdom. How do I change those things? You place seeds of hope. That's the only way to change them. 
You can't dig them out. You can't bleach them out. You can't change them. How do I change them, Pastor? You don't change by working harder, but by sowing seeds of hope into your life. This is critical. (laughs) I remember my wife, when I told you this story before, but it's a gooder. We had mushroom rings in our yard. And there was these like three mushroom rings. And, and we, we tried everything. We went, on, we went on the internet. Surely we could find the truth. We tried everything, guys. We tried to dig them out. We dug them out, put, replanted, and it, they just grew back. It was horrifying. It was like they grew back bigger. Like it was like, mm, thank you for giving us fresh soil. We tried to bleach them out. We actually stuck this sprayer in, and we had bleach, and we were like shooting bleach. It killed Everything around it, but it didn't kill the mushrooms. The mushrooms still came forward. It was crazy. We tried to pick them out. We picked out this, all these mushrooms and thought, surely that's it. No, no, they just came back stronger the next day. Are you following what I'm saying? And, and it was crazy. We even tried to flood them out. We heard somewhere that water will flood them out. So we, stuck, we got one of those things that you stick in the ground and you flood the whole area and surely that'll kill the mushrooms. Oh, no, they just thrived. They got bigger. They, they sucked up the water and said, thank you very much. So my wife, being wiser than me, looked at our neighbor across the street, and his lawn was perfect. So she said to him, how did you get rid of the fairy rings or mushroom rings in your lawn? He said, it's really easy. He said, you seed, grass seed, and water it and keep seeding grass seed and the grass will displace the mushrooms. Come on. Yeah. So Betty, every day we go out and seed that area, water it, seed the area, water it. We had three of these rings. And and we didn't really fully, we're not as smart as Charlie. I don't know if Charlie's here, I saw him earlier. But anyway, we didn't really think about the color of the lawn. We just got grass seed from Costco, and it was this brilliant green. It was almost fluorescent green. So suddenly, guess what happened? All the mushrooms were gone, but we had like Lucky Charms lawn. It was like, it was like these three beautiful, bright green glowing signs that we once had mushrooms, but we've been set free. Church, isn't this a picture of the kingdom of God? You try to dig out things and sin areas of your life? only to find they come back. You try to bleach them out with confession and and, and it only, it just seems to get worse. You try to do all kinds of things, but it's only when you seed that with the word of God does the word of God begin to displace those areas of darkness in your life. This is why we need hope. I went through a very dark time in my life when I was a new believer, and um, I was like, what am I going to do? I don't have a clue. I just felt broken. I felt lost. I'm going to ask the band to come back. And uh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me through a couple people, and I won't get into that story today. I'll probably preach on that a little bit later in this series. But it was hope. I found every scripture in the Bible on the hope of God. And I began to meditate on hope. You know what happened? My life changed. Things I could not break free from 
began to break off of me, not as I focused on getting free from those things, but as I focused on Jesus, the seed of hope in my life. Amen? And amen. Well, I threw a cow at you today. Here's the last scripture. The seed that fell into the good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep in their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. Church, we're going into the summer of hope because our world needs hope. And you as the church have to be the bearers of hope. But the way that happens is you need to be seeded by hope yourself so that the fruit of hope can be in this world. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray a prayer and then we're going to sing a beautiful song about hope. Father, thank you for the incredible group of people that sit before me, Lord. You love them. You chose them before the foundations of the world. You died for them that they might find the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, we bring our broken parts of our life, things maybe we've been trying to fix on our own. We're going to stop doing that, and we're just going to find you and find hope. And we're going to seed our lives with the hope of the word of God and the person of God. If that's you here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I've been trying to fix so many things in my life and I just need, it feels overwhelming. I feel broken. I need to turn to Jesus and just realize if I just but plant the seeds of hope, he will change me. If that's you, you know what? Just acknowledge that to the Lord right now. Raise your hand and say, Pastor, yes, yes, yes. Many of us raising our hands right now. Yes, 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 all across. So good. My hand goes up. Hallelujah, Lord. If you're here today and you're saying, I, I don't have any hope. <laughs> I've never asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. Today is the day of salvation. Stop fighting God. What are you waiting for? I told my cousin one time, I said, Hugh is his name. I said, Hugh, you need to get right with Jesus. And he said, yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. I said, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today. He chased me down the hallway when I was going to the washroom and he grabbed me and he threw me in the washroom. He was a big army guy. And he said, I need to get right with God. And in that bathroom, I led him to Jesus Christ. He was a big strapping man, but he died of an aneurysm shortly after that. But he found his hope in Jesus Christ. If that's you here today, stop fighting God like Hugh fought God. He was a pastor's kid, by the way. <laughs> he finally turned his life to Jesus. If you're watching online, turn your life to Jesus. If you're here today, just be courageous and ask Jesus the seed of hope to come into your life right now. Raise your hand if that's you. Give me a wave so I see it. Hallelujah. 
If you've made that decision online, yes, I see your hand in the back. God bless you. There are others that would join this one to say, Jesus, come in. I give you my life today. If you're online and you've done that, let us know you made that commitment. And if you've ever prayed that prayer, you've ever asked Jesus, or you just raised your hand for the first time, we're all going to pray together with this person. If you're praying online, pray out loud with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending the seed of hope to forgive my sins, to set me free from bondage and from the fear of death. I receive Jesus into my heart now. Forgive all my sins and help me to live with you and for you. Amen? Let's give these people a hand today. Amen? We're going to close our service just by standing and we're going to uh, sing this song of hope. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful song.
Amen, church? Go forward. Be the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Go in the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus and share the good news that the kingdom of God is open. Life with God is possible and it's good. Amen? Let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The band's going to sing this song. You're welcome to stay. You're welcome to go. Grab a coffee. Shake some hands. Love some people. Share the message of hope or elbow bump them or whatever you want to do. God bless you, church family.